0: Before we get going this week, I thought I'd just remind you that I'm a certified business strategist who's been in property for over 25 years. I know my clients shortcut their success by being laser focused through strategy and mentoring, as no one business model fits us all because funding, geography, skill set, it all plays a part in deciding what works for you. Getting it wrong can definitely damage your wealth. If you're serious about property, then your first step is a call with me. Nothing more difficult than following the link in the show notes to book it. This is the Property Solopreneur podcast and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, Buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Welcome to this week's episode of The Property Solopreneur. And I'm hoping that you're not still saying, I can't get into property because. And then you pop in whatever you most feel insecure about. Well, the problem about property is that we're all surrounded by people who've made some serious money. And this may be the first time you've come across such new money. And they've built big portfolios and they're doing amazing developments. But one thing they all do is they give off this embodiment of how to do it correctly vibes. Well, bully for them, as my mother would say about someone smug. Enjoy what they're doing, but don't let it affect the way you feel about yourself and your abilities and property. Because the truth is that all those, I can't do it because I, and fill in the blank here, is just a very nice, soothing excuse. It makes us feel better about either not getting going or not doing whatever it is that we dream about. So let's talk through it and find out why this is such a bad idea. Well, the first one is I'm too old. No, I'm not buying that. Not in any way. Do you know, surprisingly, do you know, there's no law that says that there's an age barrier to buying property. You can buy property right into, you know, being 101 or whatever it is you might want to do. There are age constrictions on mortgages, but that's not the only way to buy. There are so many creative ways. And you may feel too old to be all over social media doing your property thing, but yeah, that's okay. We don't all have to be out there age though, if you're past 21, shouldn't be a problem. And do you know, you might well be an inspiration to other people of your own age. Because I've heard lots of people go, well, you know, I'm in my 60s and there's no one out there doing it. And I'm thinking, yes, there are. I see them all the time in my mentoring groups and things. But they're just not all over social media because they don't feel the need. So if you can't find the inspiration you're looking for on social media and you're in that age group and you are doing property, well, get out there because you'll inspire others and you will stop other people thinking, I can't do that because I'm too old. And weirdly, this being old, and I put those that into uh, you know brackets, is starting to sneak into people who are 40. And I'm thinking, are you having me on? Is this a laugh? because I didn't buy my 1st bicycle till I was nearly 40, because to be quite honest, up till then, I was just living life. There was so much to do, bringing up children, traveling the world, you know, doing all that stuff. I wasn't ready to do any of this entrepreneurial stuff. It, I think it comes to you at the time that is useful for you. So, park that bit about being too old. And, you know, if you're 50, you probably have more to give back than you imagine. Is think about it logically. If you are, you know, you've had a very good business life, you've done a lot in, in your, the world to date. Would you really want to learn from somebody on social media or at the front of the room who is very young, half or more than your age? Possibly not, because they may have little experience in market cycles. Now, I know that doesn't seem important to people who've never experienced the highs and the lows of a market cycle. I've been through a credit crunch and I remember as a child several terrible episodes in the market which caused a problem. So yes, it does to me. I've got to that age, and I am going to now say it, where I've got more behind me age-wise than I have ahead, Well, useful anyway. So I'm going to look at these things in a slightly different way to perhaps somebody in their 20s, but that's fine. That's the whole point of being an individual. Somebody who's never been through a cycle may never have experienced having funding cut off or an age barrier. So don't take their world as gospel. You know, there are grey-haired investors out there and developers strutting their stuff, doing amazing things. Go and find them. Go and join them. And of course, at the opposite end of the spectrum is, I can't do this yet. I like the idea, but I'm just too young. Why? At what point do you stop being young? I still feel in my 20s. I know the, the outside of me doesn't look it, but inside I am. And so I don't see why it should be a property a problem. And in fact, I've just recorded an episode with Arthur, who is 26, 27 now. He's been doing property for nearly 10 years, does some amazing million pound developments. He started young. Why? Because he didn't see that age was a problem. He just got on with it. And that's what you've got to do. Now, I do understand being young does have some technical problems. Yeah, I quite get that. You may be considered too young to have a mortgage because you're on full-time education. That's fine. Get rounded. it. You know, he borrowed from his parents. And before you go, oh yeah, that's all very nice. His parents expected and received 50% of all his profit. That's quite a big chunk. I don't think I would do that with a private investor now. So, you know, he had his barriers, but still succeeded. You may not Be able to get a mortgage because you haven't got a deposit. Well, that is the truth for every age group. And we just have to find a way around it. We have to earn that money in some other way to do so. Well, you know, all the normal avenues are open to you. You may find that there aren't many YouTubes or whatever it is you want to watch at that age out there for young people doing investment. Well, do it once, get on the tube, you know, get it out there, become the person everyone at that age group wants to look at don't let it put you off. But I think the biggest problem for young people is our age group. By that, I mean mine, because, you know, we're looking at our children basically and going, oh dear, hmm, you're a bit young to do that. No, they're not. They're perfectly capable of doing anything they want to. It's just that we are boxing them in because they're stepping outside the the you know the idea of what we want them to be. Well, it's their life. If they want to do property, they can, and you should let them and let them. And they will make mistakes. Young people always do. But that's how we all learn, isn't it? So we must do that. We must let them. Then I have had one or two people say, well, I'm not well enough and I'm slightly disabled or whatever. I can't do property. Now, I'm not disabled, so I can't speak from the heart on this. But I do know that that shouldn't be a problem for a couple of reasons. One of which was that I used to attend the Stoke PIN when I had a business in Stoke-on-Trent. And for many years, I used to give a lift to the station to a great guide dog called John, who used to attend the Stoke PIN along with his owner, who had a fabulous portfolio and was a very keen investor. So there are all sorts of different people with different disabilities out there. But again, you just may not notice them. It doesn't stop anyone. And the other great thing about property is that actually you don't have to do anything physical yourself, which is a great relief to me. Because frankly, if I had been expected to do any kind of physical work on any of my sites, that would have stopped me in my tracks because I'm frankly not very good at DIY. I can organise people, but so can anyone else. That is no barrier. Of course, we do come across a lot of people who go, Well, this property stuff, it's all very well, but you see, I'm not very well educated. Um, I haven't got any letters after my name. Well, join the club. I know when you're in property and you're having to have all sorts of different specialists come and view your properties for whatever reason, they do seem to come with an awful lot of letters after their names, don't they? I have no idea what some of them mean, but I don't have any letters after my name. I couldn't go to university. I'm very badly dyslexic. In fact, I was very expensively and uselessly educated. I, I know an awful lot about all sorts of things, but oh no, I wouldn't have gone to university. You see, for instance, we didn't really do maths at my school because it was seen as a very unfeminine subject. And after all, we were expected to have a, a man in our lives who would deal with all such unpleasantness. Well, you know, I've got over that, frankly. And you know, my I built my property empire myself. But I can't tell you the number of times forms have been returned to me to re-sign, as I'm quite capable of spelling my own name wrong. But if you go to networking meetings, you will find that there are lots of people who have difficulty reading and writing in networking meetings for property. Why? Because they're very good at picking partners. Very good at mental mass. I mean, oh my word, you know, on building sites when it VAT was 17.5%. I used to just be in awe of the chaps who could work out the bills just like that. And I hadn't got past the, sorry, what was the uh, cost price? You know, and they'd got to the end. I've never seen being dyslexic and not being able to spell a problem because I've always viewed that as something that I can pay somebody else to do. I mean, after all, that is what secretaries are for. And I pay proofreaders. I still have problems, you know, things will go out, spelling mistakes. Not a lot I can do about that because I can't see it. But the biggest I come across which I'm always surprised by, is, well, I can't do property at the moment because I'm in full-time work. I can't give up my full-time work yet because I haven't got enough money to go full-time in property. Well, this is the thing about property. Full-time, part-time, so what? It doesn't matter. It can be done in both ways. But as a solopreneur, you have to cut your cloth according to your time limits. So don't start thinking, I can't become a multimillionaire in three minutes flat. Because I'm in full time property. You can do what you want to do in property if you're in full time work. And actually, I started off like that for the first 10 years. Great fun. It allowed me to have mortgages because I had something to bounce it off. It meant that, I don't know if you've noticed, but property has peaks and troughs. Well, what was I supposed to do in all those months when I didn't have a big portfolio to run? So, no, I don't see why being in work is going to be a full time problem. And when I went on to sites, I was amazed really just how many people were doing it on the side when having a full-time job. In fact, I think I've met more people in full-time work with property aside than I have full-time property peeps. Why? Because do you know, really good spark is Chippies builders—they've all got bydelets tucked away because they get the whole property thing. But I do think the winner of that particular competition was a quiet bobble-hatted ditch digger who worked for uh, the subsidence monitoring company that I had to use. You know, a man whose wages would normally put him well outside the whole property—you know—mortgage applications and, and experience. But his job was to arrive on a problem site dig a hole and then wait for the clever engineers to breeze in and fix all the gizmos and what it to the building in order to monitor it. And then once they'd done that bit, he would climb out back out of his van and fill in the hole. Job done. Well, I spent a very happy morning in his white van drinking coffee um, and talking property. And OMG, did he know a lot about property? When he got talking, he you couldn't stop him. Now, he'll have an awful lot more than now, but his property of single lets was, you know, well and truly in the 70s, nearly all paid down. Why? Because he had mastered his time during his working hours. You know, he bought below market value from landlords he met. Well, of course, he's sitting outside these houses. Landlords always spoke to him, always had a coffee with him. That's what he was doing to me, having a chat. You know, did I want to offload this property? No, thank you, but I'm going to have a good chat nevertheless he flipped constantly and paid down his properties. So he didn't need a huge income to get lots and lots of properties. He didn't get actually the whole good debt bit. He just understood property and the fact that it was really good for him and his long-term wealth. And my word, was he worth a bobble too. You know, he would then wait when he'd done his bit for the engineers to arrive, and the engineers often used to say, "I'll be round about three thirty or whatever." Well, if you've dug the hole by nine thirty, he got back into his van and would telephone round. He would go and do, you know, site visits. He would go and do viewings. Why? Because this was his patch. He worked in a fifty-mile radius. He knew it all inside out. And there was actually no problem in a building that he couldn't solve. You know, if you've seen. Some of the subsidence buildings he had, you just wouldn't have been worried. He was happy. But he was almost invisible to the clever team who arrived with their equipment and clipboards. But he was the one with the fortune. And I understood that attitude completely because I built my first portfolio in the Salisbury area completely whilst in full time work. So if you can see how to do it, oh, go for it. It will be so worthwhile in the long run. And then, of course, there are those who are very quiet and one or two people have said to me, oh, I I don't think property is for me. I'm quite quiet and everybody in the property world is sort of a bit razzmatazz and loud. Well, no, some people are and the loud ones tend to dominate in rooms. That's fine. But I've worked with a lot of quiet investors. I like them because they tend to be very well informed and very clued up because they listen more than they shout. And that's always a good person to have as a partner. Now, they often say to me, they get the impression that quiet people aren't succeeding. Oh, they are. It's just the quiet people just don't see the reason to impress you. They are self-centred to a certain degree in that it's only themselves they want to impress. So you just don't see them out and about, but they're there. So being quiet's not a reason either. Now, when many people come, particularly those with children, come and start looking at doing investment and building portfolios, they're doing it because of legacy reasons. They want to pass it on. And interestingly, I do occasionally come across people who go, well, I don't really think I'm going to do this whole asset holding thing because there's no one to pass it on to and that'll just be a burden. Keeping flipping is going to be much better. Well, does there have to be a reason to hold assets? I don't think so because you should be enough of a reason. You should want to hold stuff that long-term is going to create a great pension in your old age and give you the kind of old age that most of us only dream about because you can spend it all if you want to. No, just go for it. Don't let that hold you back. Just have fun with the lawyers setting out what will happen, you know, when you're no longer there and someone's got to deal with all your assets. In the Middle Ages, this was really normal, but it does seem to have gone out of fashion. And if you look around a lot of our market towns and small cities, you will see almshouses and charities, which today are still active and still helping people, that were set up by wealthy benefactors in the Middle Ages. Well, what's to stop you doing that now? What's to stop you doing something in the 21st century that will still be helping people in the 26th century? I think that would be enormous fun. And I'm sure there are charities, or you could set one up yourself, that would bite off your arm to receive either a house in your will or a good chunk of money that will do good when you've just no further use for it. So, excuses. I think we've rattled through quite a few here to this morning as I record it. And it's got to be a really good one for me to agree with you that actually property isn't suitable for you. There are, not for today's talk, but you know, there are. But if you're telling me the excuses I've already mentioned, well, I'm not going to believe you. So think again, go on. What have you to lose than never trying to turn your dream into reality? What if it does work? What if this property stuff does work at whatever age you are, whatever your personality type? What if you succeed? Well, if you succeed, then you'll be a wildly successful property solopreneur. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist. If you found my stories inspiring and my content useful, Then come find out more about my mentoring and strategy sessions by going to www.batraltroughton.com and book a discovery call with me. The banner link is on every page. Come and create and grow your own property business. That's the shortcut to success.